Hebrews chapter 11 and Judges chapter 6. We're going to continue on in this series that we've been doing of the state of the church, state of church triumphant. And uh, I'm next in the agenda. We're going to talk about today something foundational. When the Lord gave this to me after Pastor asked me to be in this lineup, he, um, he took me back to the basics. Because if the foundation isn't right, nothing else will be. You can't build on a weak foundation and expect to have a strong building. And so we're going to talk today about something foundational. When it comes to the state of church triumphant, we're going to look at our foundation. And I'm going to ask you as we go along to look at your foundation. It's important. Because as we try to take church triumphant as a part of the body of Christ into the places where God wants it to go, as you try to go where God wants you to go, you need to have a good, strong foundation. We're going to talk today about belief and faith and action. The two words primary words that the Bible translates faith and belief. First word is pistis. And in general, the Bible translates it faith. Whenever you read faith, you see it in there. It's typically pistis, the exception of the book of John. And this word is a noun. It's kind of an all-encompassing word. Kind of like if I said football, I'm going to play football. Well, if I'm playing football, I'm going to go and do some verbs. I'm going to do some passing, some catching, some blocking, some tackling, some spitting, playing football. That's what this word faith is like. It's this big umbrella word that encompasses a whole lot of stuff. Then there's this other word called pistuo. And whenever you see the word believe within the Bible, the New Testament, it's typically that word that's been translated. Believe is a verb. It requires action. It requires that you have acted on something. Okay? So when we read in Hebrews 11, verse 6, And without faith, pistis, noun, without faith, without a system that covers our life, our lifestyle, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe. Pistuo, action. Anyone who comes to him must believe. 
that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And as God dropped this in my spirit, and I began to dig on it because I didn't quite understand it myself, he suddenly showed me that we don't even get to faith until we can pass believe. We don't get to a walk of faith until I can believe. I don't get to a place where I'm pleasing to God until I can stand firm and say, God, he is. Belief. Before belief, there is this uh, faith. There is this foundational thing called belief. The way Vines tries to describe it, this is my small mind interpreting it. You know how Vines is. Be persuaded of and hence to place confidence in and reliance upon. Not mere credence, credence meaning to accept it as true. But to examine the evidence. If you asked me how the weather was outside and I said, it's raining. You said, okay. That's acceptance. That's lending credence to what I said. You don't know whether it's right or wrong. But if you went to the window, looked outside and said, hmm, let me look for some drops. Are there clouds up in the sky? Is the ground wet? Let me examine the evidence Now I believe that it's raining. That's the difference in what many within the body of Christ today place upon this word believe. Examining the evidence and taking action from there. Let's go to the book of Judges. And let's look at an example that plays itself out in the life of Gideon. Help us understand this. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we all have a desire to be pleasing to God. But we can't get there until we are fully persuaded that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Gideon's chapter 6. Goodness. I'm sorry. Judges chapter 6, where we will read about Gideon. Got one of those funny Bibles, Pastor. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the yoke in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing. Wheat in the, in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. During this time in the life of Israel, they are being oppressed by the heathen nation of the Midianites and a couple of other bad actors. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But, sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? 
Why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of, the Mid of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered and said, I will be with you and will strike down all the Midianites together. Here's Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. You don't thresh wheat in a wine press. He's hiding. Why? Because there are roving bands of Midianites who are desirous of doing him harm. He's not in a happy place. And so he's trying to get by, getting food for his family. And all he knows is what God used to do. He heard the stories from his parents about how their ancestors were delivered by the mighty hand of God. So that when the angel of the Lord showed up, he wasn't sure who he was. And he for certain wasn't sure that this was something that was going to make his situation change. How often do we find ourselves in a place where our circumstance does not line up with what God says, what the pastor has said, what my connection group leader has said, what those Christians have said. I'm supposed to be victorious and overcomer. But here I am in a wine press just trying to get food for my family, hoping that the enemy doesn't find me. I guess it's been a year or so ago when Pastor did a series, and one of the things he talked about was how you and I can't live off of our father's and our mother's experiences. You and I can't live off of what used to be. You and I can't stand on somebody else's belief, somebody else's experience. It's hard to do that. It's hard. It has to be personal. And if we're not having an experience with God that proves who he is to us in our eyes, it's going to be hard for us to walk out in faith and be pleasing to him. In that same way, here's Gideon. He knew what used to be, but what used to be is not what's now. And so Gideon is, a is in a place where he's having a hard time believing. Not unlike you and I. Believing is important because it allows me to launch from where I am into the place where God wants me to be. And if I can't believe and trust in him and who he is and his character and what he says, it's going to be hard for me to put myself out there, to open myself up to the slings and the arrows of life which is what most of us are called to do. So let's look at Gideon. 
and how he got there. Here he is, knowing God, knowing of God. Somehow or other, Gideon has got to get from knowing of God to knowing God. Let's continue reading verse 17. Gideon replied, now, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. Give me some evidence. Give me something that I can act on. Give me something that I can hang my hat on and believe. Give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in and prepared a young goat from the ephah flour and made bread without yeast, putting meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, and he brought them out and offered them under the oak. And the angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that it was in his hands, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Here's, here's Gideon barely believing, having heard But now he has had an experience. Face to face, he has seen something miraculous from the hand of God, which has taken him from a place of doubt into a place of, oh, yeah, you are God. I believe now. You see, God is a God of evidences. He doesn't expect you just to accept what is. He wants to give you proof. He has set up an entire system of life and walk for you to have proof, to make a decision. Turn over to Matthew chapter 11 with me. God doesn't hide himself. He wants us to have something upon which we can stand and not be moved and not be shaken. From the time that, that life began, what was the first thing that the enemy did? He tried to bring doubt into our hearts and our minds. He told Eve, did God really say? doubt. And from that time on, he has worked to bring doubt. This entire world system is predicated on causing you to doubt the power, the mercy, the grace, the love of God. Your flesh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Let me hold back. But what does God do? Read with me beginning in verse 2 of chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'm sorry. 
when John, that is John the Baptist, heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Here's John the Baptist, the person who, not too many months earlier, boldly declared, here comes the Lamb of God who is taking away the sins of the world. The one who, when he was still in the womb, leaped at the presence of the baby Jesus in Mary's womb. You would, you would think there would be no doubt in his mind. And yet, here he was in prison, in a difficult circumstance. Things were not turning out like what he had thought. Things were difficult. Things were hard. And he was doubting. And he sent his disciples to Jesus. Are you the one? Listen to what Jesus' reply is. Verse 4. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. What did Jesus not say? He didn't say, yep, I'm the one. He said, look at the evidence. And throughout the word of God, whenever God needs to make a point, wants to build up the faith of those who he's called to follow him, he continues to say in so many words, look at the evidence so that you can believe. Don't just take my word for it. Look at the evidence. Jesus could have said very easily, tell John, yes, yeah, me. Remember me from the river? Remember me from your mother's womb? No. Jesus said, examine the evidence. Look at the proof. From days of old, the proof of God, as Paul says, is evident in creation. It's all there. Just look. So much so, David said, as he looked at the expanse of the sky, who am I? What am I that you would even regard me? We can look now in the heavens and, and be blown away by the things that we see. The astrophysicists will look and measure, and they'll say there is something here that just could not have happened by itself, whether they choose to believe it or not. The evidence. We can look into the cell and see there's more activity going on in a cell that happens on Friday night at 5 o'clock on Bridge Street. And all that's got to work together to make you and I, who are wonderfully and fearfully made, the evidence. The evidence. I was listening to Miles um, McPherson do a series on, on the Bible. And he said this. There, he said, there is no separation between the Word of God and God. You know the scripture. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. There is no separation here. And this is full of evidence, testimony, witness, testimony that says God is. It says God is. God is not a God who wants you to idly just say, oh, okay, I believe. Why? Because that is not a faith that you can stand on. If it was... Gideon wouldn't have been in the wine press. He had plenty of information 
that he got from those who came before him to give him faith. But he couldn't stand there. And so God says, examine the evidences. And I want to challenge you and ask you today, church triumphant, have you examined the evidence and have you made it up in your heart and in your mind that God is? You say, you, you see, you can't even get to the question of, Am I, I want to walk in faith until you resolve it in your mind that God is. And I don't take for granted that we have all resolved that issue because if that were so, I would not see as much stumbling and trouble as we see within the body of Christ. And so church triumphant, God is asking you today, have you resolved it in your mind and in your heart? that he is? Have you looked at the evidences? Have you seen the changed lives? Have you seen the work that is done that has caused glory to God and said, yes, he is. And I know that I know he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because you can't get to faith until you resolve this issue. It is fundamental. That's the first question the Lord wanted me to ask you. Have you resolved it? Have you settled it? Are you convinced? More than just mere credence. More than accepting that, you know, what the pastor tells me. Have you sought God and got those burning answers that are deep in here that cause you to doubt When Peter was walking on the water, he said, bid me come, Lord. The Lord said, come, because Peter knew something, that if he combined his faith and the command of God, which has power, then there is a miracle. And he got out of the boat, and he's walking on the water. I bet he did a dance. But all of a sudden, he saw the wind and the waves. All of a sudden, he saw the troubles and the trials of life, and he began to lose his miracle. He began to sink. Why? Jesus grabbed him and said, little, you a little faith. But that's what he called all of the disciples on a regular basis. Almost like a pet name. The key phrase is, he said, why did you doubt? And the question for us, before we can ever get to a place where we're walking in faith and can be pleasing to God, is have we eliminated the doubt from our life? that we can say, God, you are. Part two. Go back to Judges. Before we start reading there, James says this. James 2, 19. He said, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. Oh. So it's more than just me believing. I can't get to faith until I believe, but I can't stand there. Once I've got it settled in my mind and settled in my heart, I've got to move. I've got to move into a place of faith. 
You know, belief doesn't do the demons any good. Belief doesn't do us any good. That's just the entry. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you can be saved. But until you walk in that belief, you will never get to the place where you are pleasing to the Lord. That word pleasing to God, pleasing is a con- the connotation is fully, completely pleasing God. Not just making him happy. Oh, I'm glad he's doing what I want. No, fully pleasing to him. And if we want to be fully pleasing to him, not only do we have to make up in our minds that he is, but then we've got to take that and move on. We've got to begin walking in a faith that moves, that has action. (laughs) Read with me, Judges chapter 6. Starting at verse 25. This is after Gideon has had his encounter with God that showed him, yeah, okay, that same God yesterday, he's back. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd and the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down the Asherah pole. These are things that were worshiping idols. He said, cut them down. I'm making my entrance back into the place, and I want that gone. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took the ten, ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Because he was concerned. Okay, Lord, I'm I'm trusting you a little bit. I did do it. He did get it done. I don't know how you are, but like Gideon, there are times when I find ways of doing things without being out there. There are time in my, times in my weakness when exposing myself, allowing myself to potential, suffer potential loss, because there's a world out there that does not agree with me. There's a world out there who thinks I'm nuts for believing in someone I can't see. Even though I've learned that the, rare, the world I can't see is even more real than the world I do. And yet in my weakness and in my times of doubt, there are times when I will find a way to do it at night. How about you? Bible tells me we have to work when it's day. Because soon the night is coming and there won't be any work done. I can't work and do the things God has called me to do and keep it hidden. I'm supposed to be a light, a light on a hill, not hidden under a bushel. The world can't be blessed by what God has placed in me if I'm always hiding it. Even if I'm obedient, 
and I get it done, am I glorifying God? He did it at night. He's learned something. He's taken a step. But like us, the fear of man. How often has the fear of man caused us not to be the blessing that God has called us to be? How often has the fear of losing out caused us not to do God's will, not to be the blessing, not to be the light? Last uh, Sunday night, one of, one of this body stood up and said, hey, no more for me. I'm not doing it that way anymore. I've been afraid and I have held myself back from being the blessing, from showing the love of God, from telling people about Christ because I was afraid of what it was going to cost me, what it could cost me in my job. And he stood up and said, no more. And he began to share with us how he was showing the love of Christ to others. And he didn't care anymore about what the cost was because he was building something that was eternal. It wasn't temporary. It was beyond this world and what we see. He had moved from a place of just belief. And now he's walking out in faith, walking out in a way where he could be fully pleasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let's see what Gideon does. Before I read that, I want Psalms 27.1. I want you to hear this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is, my, is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Once we get to the place where we believe and that belief begins to take action in our lives and we begin to step out in faith, once I understand the character and the nature of God, that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, It gives me confidence, confidence to go forward, not in darkness, but in the light. Let's look at Gideon. From a time standpoint, I'm not going to read all of this. Let me tell you what happened next. Because Gideon, just like you and I, he still struggled. Remember what Gideon was called to do. He was called to deliver the nation. Okay? God told him to go tear down the the monuments, but that was just practice. God said, go and deliver the nation. And like us, how many times have you prayed, God, please, if this is you, let a giant pink elephant fly by with (laughs) yellow wings. Make it plain to me, Lord. Huh? Gideon did the same thing. He just, he used a fleece. He said, God, I'm going to lay this fleece on the ground, and, and, and if this is you calling me, please let that fleece be dry as the dew covers the ground. And it happened. 
He said, all right, God, well, just to be sure, I'm going to put that fleece back, and please, Lord, let the fleece be wet and the whole ground be dry. And God did it. That's who God is. He wants you to be sure. He wants you to have confidence. Like I said a moment ago, he's not a God who just wants you to accept. He wants to give you the evidence so that you can make the decision that you know who he is so that you can go forward in faith and accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. Gideon, go deliver the nation. Okay, Lord, but just to make sure. But once he made sure, something transformed in Gideon. Okay? Because now walking in faith, now being obedient to God, not ha- now having solidified in your mind that he is and a, and a, a rewarder of those who seek him, now it has moved him into action. He's no longer standing back. He's no longer standing by. He is now going forward. Read what God did through Gideon. Turn over to chapter 7. I think it's verse 7. Judges 7, verse 7. What happened? The Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. With 300 men. There's an army out there of over 135,000. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and a couple of other bad actors, they're out there ready to do harm. And Gideon says, let's go. How's your faith today? Not only let's go, listen to his plan. Well, we're going to take these ram's horns, and we're going to take these torches. And there's only 300 of us against 135,000, but we're going to go take them. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not a plan that I can get. Yeah, not a plan for success. In the natural, it's not a plan I can get behind. But the Bible tells me that over 135,000 men were defeated that day by 300 guys with horns and lights. What can happen in church triumphant when you and I begin to act on the faith that we've been given because we believe that God is? What can happen in our community when we walk out and do what God has called us to do? It is transforming. It is new. It is marvelous. I don't know what God has called you to do. I pray that you do or are seeking to understand. We have to be. We're supposed to be wonderfully knitted together, perfectly fit as a body, with every part doing its part, so that the body, so that the body, is edified and that God is glorified. Maybe you're supposed to be with the youth or the kids. Maybe God has placed into your heart some vision for the cafe 
Maybe you have some new outreach that God is pouring into you that he wants you to do through this church so that we can build the kingdom. See, at some point, do you realize when this story started, Gideon is just trying to get by. After that, we, we don't even know where he ate any at all. He went on and began to build the kingdom of God. It started all being about God's stuff and no longer about Gideon's stuff. That's the transforming work and power of God when we allow God to have control in our lives. When we settle it in our hearts and minds that he is. And we take up the mantle that he's placed upon us with whatever level of gifting that he has given us and we go forward. Church triumphant, what are you doing today with what God has given you? Have you heard the call and are you engaged? We can't be the church that God has called us to be without all of us being engaged. There are many opportunities for engagement in this church. What's the status and the state of church triumphant? That kind of depends on what's the state of us. That's my third question for you today. Where are you? Where are you? If like Gideon, you moved from a place of unbelief to a place of belief and faith, then there ought to be some corresponding actions associated with that. Some corresponding actions that result in the kingdom being built. Some corresponding decisions that says, all of these things in my life that don't matter because one day it's all going to burn anyway. What did Peter say? If you, in light of this being the way the world is going to end, how then should we live? What's the priority? Is it all of the stuff I'm involved in and all of the stuff I've got my family doing? Do we understand that how this world, remember a time when the world wouldn't schedule anything on a Wednesday night? I do. I'm old enough to remember that. Now we're scheduling stuff on Sunday mornings. We're building things that don't last. And we're being in deference to those things rather than building the kingdom of God. And if we're going to be what God wants us to be, a church triumphant, we have to build God's kingdom. One other point I want to make to you about Gideon. Go back up to verse, chapter 6, verse 14. Before we begin to think, I've got to have super faith. I believe, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Listen to what God told Gideon. Chapter 6, verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. He didn't say go and find some more faith. Go and bask in the glory, my glory, until you are filled, overflowing, and are able to accomplish more than anything that you ever thought before. He said, go in the strength you have. Go in the, at the belief where you are. What did Jesus say? He said, it only takes this much faith to cause mountains to be removed. 
So it's not a matter of me getting anything else but what God has already given me. And fortunately for me, God has given me and all of us enough faith to believe if we will examine. The Bible says that. It's from God. It's not from us. Isn't that neat? We don't even have to worry about having, being able to believe. We just have to trust God and go get the evidence and believe and then take that belief and put it in action with what we have. I don't need a Ph.D. to go teach. I just have to go and be obedient and let God work through me. I don't need to have some kind of whatever to be able to go and minister to someone who is in need. I just have to have a heart for the things of the kingdom. I don't need this or that. I just need God and a desire to be pleasing to him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, be pleasing completely. Because those who come to him must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's my last question, you church triumphant. Where are you today? Are you ready to put your faith into action? Those of you who have gotten to that place where it is settled in your heart, those of you who know that you know that God is, are you ready to pick up your horn and pick up your torch and go rout the enemy? Are you ready to build the things of the kingdom versus the things in your own life or somebody else's? That's the question I want to leave you with. What's the state of church triumphant? It depends on what's the state of us as individuals. And my prayer for you today is that you will get that figured out. Wednesday night, Wednesday night Bible study. Oh, my gosh. We go deep. We've spent, what, four weeks going through eight verses, and we're barely through, we're not even really through eight verses of Colossians. Another opportunity for you to be involved and grow. But one of the attenders that night said, I'm ministering to a co-worker. And if I've got to go to his house every week to give him the word of God, I'll do that. He's building the kingdom. Stand with me. My prayer for you, Church Triumphant, is that you are preparing yourself to build the kingdom of God. Everything else, as Paul puts it, is wood, hay, and stubble. It's not going to last. We want to build with gold and silver and precious stones, things that will last for eternity. So for those of you who just need, like Gideon, that settled place in the heart and that settled place in the mind to encourage you to go forward in action, in faith. I pray that you will come forward and make an altar 
where you and God can be alone and talk about it and get it figured out. For those of you who are like Gideon was, still dealing with it under cover of darkness because you need to be bolstered in that belief to be able to stand firm. I pray that you would come and make an altar here, you and God, and help get that settled in your heart and mind so that you can go forward and do the things God has called you to do inside this body, outside this body, in your families, in your workplaces, in the world that so desperately needs the light that is in you because it is full of darkness. For those of you who are still like Gideon, only have what you heard yesterday, and it doesn't fit what's going on with you today. When you're still trying to get it settled in your heart and mind, your minds that God is, I pray that you will come to this altar and make a place of prayer and that you and God will begin that journey of examining the evidences that he wants to give you so that you will believe because you can't even get to the place where you're fully pleasing to him without it. Perhaps to some of you who never even heard this, any of this stuff, God wants to be real to you. He wants to be real to you so that you can come into the kingdom and be a part of what he has going on. Won't you come?